Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Epic. We are so glad that you are here. And uh, if you were with us here last week, uh, we had former NBA basketball player Keith Tower, and he was like seven feet tall. I mean, it was like incredible to see this guy that God can make people like that big. Um, well, Trent asked me this week uh, if I would speak and uh, because he wanted me to break you into him. He's only about 5'2". So, you know, going from seven feet to 5'2", I'm about six feet. So in between there, uh, I, I told him, though, you know, yeah, I'll do that. But I can't break you into his baldness. Uh, you know, he's out on his own for that. But um, today we are concluding our message series uh, called Miracles, and for the last several weeks we have looked at seven different miracles or several different miracles that Jesus performed. And what we've learned through those miracles is that Jesus has shown us who God is, and he's also shown us that he is God. And miracles are God's megaphone for speaking dramatically into our lives to show us that there is nothing impossible with God. And so he, if he can walk on water, calm the storms, he can uh, turn water into wine, then he can speak into our situations today. And so uh, basically, when we look at that, um, there's a subject that we're going to talk about today that none of us can avoid. And here's the subject. Um, I was having a conversation with my next door neighbor several weeks ago. And he said that his mother had been living with him, and then she became very ill. And she uh, got so ill that she needed to go into the hospital. And so after a couple of months of being in the hospital, she ended up passing away. And uh, so I gave him my condolences, and I said, man, I'm so sorry uh, for your loss and everything. And he said he was okay. Uh, but he went on to say some other things. He said, you know, uh, Tim, basically, you know, she'd been struggling on and off for the past year. And uh, every time she got sick, you just could see that it took a toll on her body. And then he said, you know, now she's at least in a better place. And he said something else to me that kind of surprised me and took me off guard at first. He said, you know, eventually death happens to all of us. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, I don't know if I could sum up a statement like that, but he's absolutely right. And, um, you know, the more that we think about death and how horrible it is and how awful it is, you know, it does seem that death does put life into, per into perspective. And the, if you and I would have a conversation about death, we would all agree that it's painful, that brings up memories, that we have tons of heartache, and that it's just tragic. And if we continued in our conversation, we would all agree that death is never easy. It's never um, easy to get over. It's always difficult, and it always costs something. Now, something might surprise you, but if we were to have that conversation with God, he would agree with our conclusions. He would share his emotions. He would share his heartache. He would share his pain for us and what we experience on a regular basis. He would agree with the conclusions that it is never easy, that it's always painful, and it always costs us something. And so he would agree wholeheartedly with that because, you see, death was never intended by God. Death comes from sin. And the Apostle Paul wrote about this in Romans, and he said this comment. He said, sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. And so death spread to all people because all sinned. Now, the death that Paul is speaking about, it's a physical death, but it's also a spiritual death. 
And I don't know if you saw this movie several years ago. It's easy to talk about physical death and explain that. It's harder to explain what spiritual death is. And several years ago, they came out with a movie called The Sixth Sense. And there was this little boy, and he went around saying this one comment. What, what was that comment? He said, I see, yeah, I see dead people. And although we don't have ghosts walking around, we see dead people all the time. We see people who are dead on the inside, but alive on the outside. And so for some of us, we see dead people at work. We have some job that's some kind of like factory job. We go in, we punch the clock, we work long, hard hours. We see people come in and go out. We do the same thing day in and day out. We get this paycheck. We buy some of our toys. Every Monday, we have the same conversations week in and week out about what we did. And we did the same conversations or the same activities each week. And all of a sudden, we get paid. We spend money. We pursue the pleasures of this life. And yet something on the inside starts to go numb. Something on the inside starts to die. And something on the inside says, where is God? And yet God is not there because we have not invited him into that place. And he feels so distant. Or we've just shut the door down on him anyways. For some of us, you know, we say that we're following God. And yet there seems to be something that's dead within us. There's something that we have kind of just held on to and not allowed God into that area. And for some of us, we have seen something else or we get distracted with something and it just consumes all of us. And we are in and we're in over our heads. And we start to wonder, where is God? Because he seems like he is so far away and we can't hear his voice anymore. Or for some of us, we're dead because we are doubters. We all of a sudden go through life and we get hit by something and it sends us in another direction. And we start to believe, is there really a God? But yet when we examine, we say, you know what? There feels like there's this voice on the inside of me that tells me that there is a God. But yet I get hit again and I get hit over there. And I get hit over there. What should I do with that voice? Should I listen to it? Should I not listen to it? And we get battered back and forth, back and forth until we either stop listening to that voice or we begin to listen or we simply continue to doubt. Now, don't answer this out loud, but here's a question that I have for you. If you were to get very, very, very honest, what is it that's within you that is dead or is dying? What is it? Is it your faith in God? Is it something that you've held onto and there is no room for God there? Is there something that you consider dead in your life and so therefore you consider yourself dead to God? What is it? What is he trying to say into your life? And here's what we're going to wrestle with today. Sin and death cause this great divide. Sin and death cause this great distance to come into our lives between him and us. Sin and death breaks us. And sin and death breaks the very heart of God because he loves us so much and he knows what it does within us and you and him and his relationship with you. And so today, we're going to examine this thing because God does not want sin to overrule us. And he does not want death to conquer us. And instead, he wants to show us that it is possible for him to bring life from death. 
And so today, we're going to hear his voice on this matter, and we're going to look into scripture to see what he has to say. So if you would, if you would like to turn to John chapter 11, today I'm going to use a different version. I'm going to use the NIV because it will help us to see a few things uh, clear. We're going to put the verses up on the screen uh, because we're going to cover a lot of ground today. So uh, today we're going to begin in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who would later on pour perfume on the Lord and wipe his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now let's pause there and kind of put ourselves in this story. Here's these loved ones uh, who know Jesus really, really well. And they are in this state of panic because their brother is dying. They are desperate. They know Jesus can perform miracles. They know that he is potentially the son of God. They know he's only about a day's trip away from their village. And so they say, send this messenger to almost plead, almost beg, almost cry out to Jesus, would you do something? The one that you love is dying. So let's see his response when this messenger gets to him. In verse four, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in, what's that word? Yeah, what's that word? Death. Instead, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Did you hear that? In this passage, in this verse four, Jesus tells this messenger that to tell Mary and Martha that this is not going to end in death, it's a promise. He's making a promise. The messenger hears it, the disciples hear it, and soon Mary and Martha will hear it when that message makes it back to them. And so that's what's going to happen. And everyone knows when Jesus says something, that something extraordinary is going to happen. If he makes a promise, then he's going to come through. So let's see what happens in verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stared, stayed where he was two more days. Yeah, you read that right. He stayed there for two more days. No joke. And this is what happened. He didn't say all of a sudden, let's leave immediately, disciples. Let's pack up our bags. Let's, uh, you know, hike all night. Let's get there by the morning and everything. And the disciples could have thought, you know, hey, for two days, you know, can't you just like say the word and he'll be healed or something like that? You've done that before. Won't you do that again in this situation? But yet Jesus does nothing for two days. Could you imagine what's going on in the minds and the hearts of Mary and Martha who get this messenger back and they are expecting to Jesus to come within a day and he does not come and their brother is dying and they are desperate? Have you been in there? Have you been in that situation where you're waiting on God to do something and you are desperate and you've cried out to him and he seems like he is doing nothing? And you don't hear his voice. And yet you've cried out to Jesus. Let's continue in verse 7. And then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you are going back? 
You know, so let's pause here for a moment. Here's what's happening. Jesus is ready to finally go back, and the disciples are like, um, you know, Lazarus is probably dead. You know, I don't think it would be a good idea. You remember the last time you are in Jerusalem, and Bethany's like only a mile or two from there? Um, you were almost stoned to death, and we were probably going to get stoned to death. You know, two days ago, we would have charged at it, but you know what? We're not going to charge at this. Um, Jesus, we don't think this is a good idea, you know? And this is what Jesus says. If I could summarize the conversation between verses 9 and 16, he's pretty much going to say to them, guys, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah, Lazarus is dead. And they're kind of like, uh, yeah, that's the point, you know. But he's saying, you know what, guys? Trust me on this. We're going to go back despite what your fears might be. And so as they're kind of hiking away, I could see some of the disciples kind of meandering, and one of them named Thomas, he makes this kind of, you know, uh, off-the-cuff comment. He says, all right, let's go. You know, we're off to our death, you know. Uh, here we go, and uh, says it kind of sarcastically. But, you know, we've all been there. We've all had our doubts about God and what he's about to do. We've maybe think that he should be doing something, but yet it seems like he is doing nothing. Or maybe he tells us to do something, and we think it's totally off base. And here's what God wants us to know in that moment. Just because there seems to be a delay does not mean that he is not working. It does not mean that he is not addressing the situation. We may be encountering blows. We may be going through tons of hardships and getting rocked in our worlds. But here's what God wants us to know. He wants us to know this, that God's delays are not God's denials. Let me say that again. God's delays are not God's denials. He wants us to continue to trust him because he has made a promise to you and to me. Let's pick up in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how long? Four days. So he died immediately, immediately before that messenger even got to Jesus. He's been in the tomb for four days. He is, there's no question about it. He's dead. He's not Jack Bauer. He's not coming back to life, okay? He is dead, all right? So in verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come. Same Jews who tried to stone him. Some of them are in this crowd and everything because they know Martha, they know Mary. So they come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, but Mary stayed at home. I would have stayed at home. I would have been down. I would have been like, where was Jesus? You know, I'm not going out to see him. But let's see what Martha does instead. Martha goes out and she says something kind of different to him. In verse 21, she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now, God, you will give whatever you ask. And so let's interpret what she's saying. If you know Martha, which we do, there's a little history there because she has a relationship with Jesus. She is consumed with being busy all the time. And she often will not listen to the voice of God and misses out on what God wants to say to her in that situation. And so basically she's saying, Jesus, if you had listened to me, if you had come when I told you to come, if you had crossed all of your T's and dotted all the, uh, the I's exactly how I wanted you to, my brother would not be dead in this moment. But yet she does something kind of uncharacteristic of her. Did you catch that in verse 22? 
She said, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She's basically saying in that, you know what, I'm going to trust you even though I'm a little unclear. And Jesus sees that hope in her, and he wants to bring that hope from within her out. And he says this to her. He says, you know what, I haven't forgotten my promise. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know, he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Something I grew up with. We've all been told that if we you know, believe in God at the end, you know, we'll all be raised up. And Jesus is saying, no, let me give you some further clarification on that. That's not what I'm saying. Instead, Jesus is saying to her, I'm going to speak very vividly into your life right now. And I want you to know something with all your heart. I want you to wait and I want you to see because I'm going to do something. And you know that you're going to see exactly who I am. And he says this very strong and bold statement to her in verse 25. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And so here's Jesus saying this to her, and he's saying this to us, that he has power over life and death. And basically he's saying, whoever believes in me will get spiritual life. And it is way better than physical death. Physical death will not conquer you. It will not have any mastery over your life ever again. And Martha, this is why I want to say, I want to be clear on the subject. I want you to know this. I want you to no longer doubt. I want you to no longer be worried about the details. I want you to no longer be in pain over your brother's death because I have power over life and death. And so Let's see her response to Jesus in verse 27. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Pretty much, okay, God, I'll let go. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Verse 28, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. And skip to verse 32, and here comes Mary, who's hurting. Then Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus did something that I don't think we would have ever imagined in that moment. He wept. He wept. He saw Mary. He saw all these Jews who were broken. And his heart is broken over sin and death and what it does to us. When you hurt, he hurts. When you cry, he is right there holding us. When you are down in the depths and of the pits and of the stuff that happens in this life, he's crying for us. It says in the Bible that he is the one who can sympathize with us because he has been here and he knows exactly what we are going through. And he no longer wants us to be down because of sin and death and he will do something about it. 
And so in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And what he did next, he did this in front of everyone. And he wanted everyone to see this. All of a sudden, he looks up to his heavenly father and he says this prayer out loud. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And in that moment, Mary, Martha, the disciples, everyone from the town of Bethany, everyone who was there from Jerusalem, the doubters, the naysayers, the controllers, those who were dead on the inside and alive on the outside, they saw something amazing. They saw something extraordinary. They saw something that they've never seen before. They saw the God of the universe call out to a dead man, and he responded, and he came out of the grave. He was alive. He was not dead. And in that moment, Jesus showed to every single person that he has power. He has power over life and death. And many of those people who were dead on the inside and alive on the outside, not all of them, but a lot of them, put their faith, put their trust in who he is and who he said that he was. And in that moment, they received eternal life. Life that can never be taken away by this world. Life that can never be taken away by death. Life that can never be taken away by sin. Because Jesus ultimately performed this miracle because he loves you and he loves me. And he wanted to make it clear exactly who he is. That we are to be no longer afraid of sin and death. Because when you believe in him and when you trust him, he gives you eternal life. Life that, is, that comes out from power and death in those situations. You know, when I had that conversation with my next door neighbor, uh, he asked me, you know, those, some of these questions. But th when he made that statement that eventually death happens to all of us, um, you know what? It doesn't have to. And God showed us. And I don't know about you, but when I uh, eventually pass away, I much rather have someone at my graveside saying instead of like, hey, you know, Tim, he tried to live a good life or something like that, and we're not sure where he's at. I want someone to say he knew Jesus, and he is living beyond the grave because of what Jesus did. And I don't know about you, but some of you are dead, dead spiritually. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. And what he says is, if you would believe that I came and died on the cross and was raised to life, and if you confess your sins to me and ask me for forgiveness and ask me to come into your life and be your God, then he'll do that. And he will grant you eternal life. And he will give you power now in your life over death. And for some of us, we've been doubting 
for a long time, and we are dead to our doubts. And every time something comes up, we doubt it. It's time to stop. It's time to come to God and say, you know what? Here are my doubts. I'm going to start walking with you. And you know what happens? As you begin to walk with God, those doubts subside, and you get to know exactly the power that we've been talking about. And for some of us, we've been holding on to the compartments of our lives, and we've been so busy, and we've made no room for God at all. And you know what happens when you invite him into that dead area? He will come into that area, and he will help you to rearrange your priorities, and he will help you in the midst of your chaos, and he will help to give you peace in the midst of life's storms, because he loves us. That's what he wants to do. He wants to show us that he has power over life and death right now. And so what should we do? If we're there and there's this component that is keeping us dead and away from him, he already knows what it is. He's waiting for us to invite him into that area of our lives. And so if you want to invite him into that area, this is what you simply do. You pray out to him, you cry out to him, and you say, God, this is dead in my life. Would you forgive me? And I will start trusting you. So if you are dead spiritually, you cry out to him and say, here are my sins that keep me separated from you. Won't you forgive me? Would you be my God? I trust you. If you're struggling with doubts, you say, God, here are my doubts. I'm unclear about them, but God, forgive me, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to allow you to work on my doubts, but I'm going to start trusting you. If you are dead because of the busyness and your plans that you have for your life, and you say, God, here are my plans. Forgive me. I'll trust you. Do you know what happens in that moment? He will show you that he can bring life out of death because he is right there and he has made a promise for us. Will you trust him? Today you can take that moment to be able to trust him in your life. He invites us all the time to come to him. His voice is always crying out to us and we need to respond. And so in a moment here, we're gonna pray. If there's something that is just like, you know what? Yeah, that is dead in my life or that is dying in my life, would you offer that up to him? Would you invite him into that area of your life? And so what we're going to do, if you wouldn't mind just closing your heads, bowing your heads, closing your eyes, and I'm just going to let you for a moment just pray to him, and then I'm going to wrap us up in some prayer. So just take a moment to talk to God. Father, uh, we thank you that you are the God of the universe, that your ways are great. We are so glad that you sent your son, Jesus, on this earth so that we would know exactly who you are, that you care so much about us, that you are not a God that is removed from this world, that does not care about us, Instead, your heart breaks out for us. Your heart is broken over the sin and death that takes place in this world. And you are sad of what it does within us. Father, we need you. We cry out to you. And we surrender 
these things that are in our hearts and in our lives that keep us distant from you. And we invite you into those areas that we would like to have life. Because you showed almost 2,000 years ago that you have power over death. Thank you so much that you were so specific. And we thank you today for what it means in our hearts that just because these physical bodies die, we have life with you for eternity. When we have a relationship with you, death has no sting. You have the final word. Death does not. And so we thank you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great truth to be reminded of this morning, that God's love never runs out on us. If you take a seat, we, I have a few announcements for you this morning. We are so glad you are here. Welcome to Epic. If you are a new guest with us this morning, thank you for coming. We are a church for people who don't do church, and we just strive to create a safe, comfortable environment where you can check out what it means to have a relationship with God. So if you're a new guest with us this morning, we encourage you to go by the Connection Center after the service, and we have a brochure for you, and we can give you a little bit more information about Epic. Well, last Sunday, we had a great day at Epic Day at the park. It was lots of fun. There was lots of people and food and games, and um, we played a version of dodgeball. It was actually Guatemalan dodgeball that the Guatemala team had learned when they were down there, and it was super fun for the kids and the adults to be able to play together. I don't think we had any injuries, so it was a great success. Lots of fun. Well, uh, today, our starting point and next step environments, our small group environments start. So if you signed up for one of those environments and you need materials, if you would see Tim at the Connection Center after he will be able to get those for you. On Saturday, this Saturday, the 6th, we have an opportunity to help two families in the Mondex, one with the Habitat Build, and we have a few spaces left for the Habitat Build, so if you'd like to sign up for that, that would be great, and also to help clean up a home of a family, and their home situation has just been deemed unlivable, and so they just need some help with cleanup on the outside and some um, repair, minor construction repair as well. So if you are available on Saturday and could help with that, we'd love your help. For both the Habitat and the Cleanup Project, if you could sign up online under the Involve tab and then go to the Habitat page, and then you can select one of those opportunities to sign up for. And then our student ministry, Surge, is also going to be helping with the cleanup in the Mondex as well. So students, if you can help on Saturday, that would be great. Go to the Epic Surge Facebook page, and you can sign up for that and get all the information you need there as well. Well, those are some great ways that we can give and give of our time, and we can also give of our resources to help support what God is doing at Epic and in our community through Epic as well. So if you'd like to give financially, you can give so, do so at the giving boxes in the back of the rows or online at www.theepicchurch.com. Well, before Tim comes this morning, we have a video um, for you to enjoy, so check this out. <laughs> 